Calling boss. Oh, hi, Tom. <laughs> That's a little shout out to Y2K Sheena Twain. <laughs> Last week's episode. Just wanted to share that. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. We're tired. We're so tired. We're beat. We're hanging on by a thread. Yeah. Anne almost died. On the freeway. No, genuinely. Bleeding. Yeah, I spun out. It was so scary. Your car was sideways. That was really scary. I drove from Santa Clarita. I couldn't see in the rain. It was terrifying. Horrible. I hate that for you. <laughs> Thank you. I hate it, too. We're here because, god damn it, we're going to recap Vanderpump if it kills us. And also, I do just <laughs> want to say, if you're here for all the Vanderpump juice, the interview this week is so relevant. We talked to Jackie, who is a story producer. Oh, She's worked on so many different reality so TV shows. shows. It's such an interesting conversation about yeah. like the way things work behind the scenes. It's fucking phenomenal. So just wanted to plug that at the very top of the episode. So yeah. That way you can keep that in mind and hopefully stay for the whole time. Demystifies the fourth wall. Incredible. Yes. I love that so much. It's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Want to know what else is interesting? Hit me. This week's episode of Vanderpump Rules. Another important thing to mention is at two points in this episode, we uh, use words referring to sexual violence. Uh, These aren't extended sections, but we definitely want to just put those time codes in the description in case that is something that you want to avoid. So my boss did an interview with the New York Times. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) I don't know if you read it. I sure as shit didn't, <laughs> and I know I need to, but let me tell you, I'm at my article limit, and I was not excited to. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Hold on to your hats and your butts. You're going to need both hands. <laughs> oh, my God. God, 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 God. Okay, so I'm personally at my limit of free New York Times articles to be this month. So, yeah. I have not seen the article. Oh, no. I had to read the Daily Beast highlights because I cannot pay money for a subscription. Unfortunately. Sorry, Sorry, New York Times. The second I have a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're scraping by. Your boss was in the New York Times. Yes, he was in the New York Times and says, um, I don't even know how to talk about this. I don't have enough. Like, my bandwidth is crushed from (laughs) almost dying. From almost dying, yeah. Well, it feels like there was another car crash that was him having a conversation. It's just really hard for me to see how there's any justification for him comparing himself and Scandaval to the murder of George Floyd. Yes. Yeah. That feels... Cheating on your girlfriend with your girlfriend's friend and your... You know, a person in your friend group is not the same as someone who's murdered for the color of their skin. Yeah. So let's not. Yeah, let's. Um. I just the fact that like we even have to not that we have to explain it, but it's just baffling a little bit. Yeah, because I think and I, this kind of segues into the episode of like, mm. For me, something that is very hard as a viewer is that, like, at no point on this season have I heard Tom talk about how he is trying to improve himself. Yes. Or, like, any kind of, like, work that he is putting in. Yeah. He is talking about the ways that he is suffering. Yeah. And the only thing he says is, "I'm, I'm going to punish myself. And getting punished versus 
consciously trying to grow and change or different things. And yeah. oftentimes they go hand in hand. Oftentimes there's like consequences to your actions, but yeah. it's just fucking alarming. Yeah, to- working out doesn't help you become a better person. It just makes you buff. Like we were talking about this earlier, but like I thought Lala said a really great point where she was like, you know, when she and James, they've had those moments where they hit rock bottom and that's the point where they grew. And I and I can relate to that very much with my PTSD. Like there was a point where I was in such denial that I had this mental disorder and it was just wrecking havoc in my life. And I didn't want to admit the abuse I suffered, the sexual assault that I suffered. Yeah. And so denying it doesn't make it go away. You have to deal with it. And at some point I hit rock bottom. You know, I dealt with addictions and things in that time period. And it took hitting rock bottom for me to finally be like, I'm doing this to myself. And first of all, I just like commend you for like sharing that. I also like going through that. Like it's just like going to hell and back is yeah it's really not easy and i just i don't know i just i think it like takes so much character and strength also dolly's our oh, dolly party she's banging on the doors yeah. dolly's banging down the doors being a real she's a twain right now <laughs> oh i'm just walking past <laughs> oh what was that oh. a man i could have a confrontation with <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys are just doing a podcast what about paying attention to me? Okay, so this is not me saying Sheena yeah. makes everything about her. <laughs> this is not me saying that. Yeah, we're not saying that. I'm not saying that. Not I saying am it. saying once you've heard someone say that and you watch her, there's certain things that you don't miss than before you would have missed. <laughs> but I'm not saying that she does that. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's a thought sometimes watching um, Schwartz in this episode where – I want to, if I was, you know, if I still saw him around was, was buds, not that we're not buds. I consider, Schwartz, I consider you a bud. <laughs> not that he listens to this. Probably not. You're a bud. <laughs> bud. Is that, you know, you're allowed to put yourself first. You don't have to give yourself up for a relationship that is currently making you suffer like of course I totally understand you don't want to like you know you don't have to like cut lose your best friend cut all ties necessarily but like you're allowed to put the mask on yourself before you put the mask on the other person this is the oxygen mask from the plane metaphor absolutely and for anybody who hasn't watched the most recent episode of Vanderpump Rules something that kind of like centers this dynamic of Schwartz and the amount that he is protecting former slash current friend Tom Sandoval is they're planning a trip to Tahoe. Schwartz is going, he's renting a house and he wants to invite the whole friend group in addition to Tom Sandoval. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of, you know, the friend group up until this point has very much been avoiding Tom Sandoval. Yeah. Except for when they take a long route to the bathroom (laughs) to have a little (laughs) beat down. Um, And so it is like it's Schwartz is kind of at the center of reintegrating Tom into this social world. And it is just like, I don't know, watching that, I'm just like, I've been in that situation where I'm like really stressed about friends, people who aren't friends getting along and not because they have beef with one another or because like one of them 
like really did a colossal like took a colossal dump on the other one's best friend's life like this is just friends who don't know each other I find it very stressful to be the middleman sometimes and be like is everyone gonna get along is everyone gonna do okay it's okay to admit that Tom took a dump on his own life he took the he's he's the guilty one who took the dump on himself and we're not saying that, you know, like, we want to see you suffer or that you can't change. You know, we're both very positive people. We care. We do think that change is possible. But, like, the only way about it is to look at yourself and not blame others. Absolutely. And I think it's, like, and content warning because, like, we're going to touch on, again, like, suicide was a theme of this week. So we'll put, again, in the timestamps, like, where you can pick back up. But... I, I think for me, watching Lisa, who's so clearly, like, impacted and triggered and, like, terrified. You can just see yeah. that she is really, like... Yeah, she's triggered. She's being co- very composed, but she's fighting for her life in yeah. the sense that she's really, like, she's activated. She wants to... She's very scared. Yeah. She's scared of what's going to happen to Tom. She She's seeing Tom as her brother, and that's what happens when you're triggered. You, you're re-experiencing a trauma in your life. And when that happens, you might not be able to see the nuances of a situation. Absolutely. And it's and so in Lisa Vanderpump talking to various other cast members, specifically Lala and Sheena, um, and sort of voicing her concerns about Tom's mental health. And she goes beyond just voicing concerns to say, like, can you please help? Like, can you integrate him back in? And I just... It's such a nuanced thing because mm-hmm. on one hand, it's like you want someone who's suffering to have help and to have connection. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's really I think there's I think there's one there's crisis response. Mm-hmm. But after the crisis response, like after somebody has gotten to a place where they're where they are stable and they are no longer like struggling with suicidal ideation. Yeah. There's accountability that comes next. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what? Like. If you really are afraid and you care for someone who's, you know, at the brink, then what you do, the right thing to do is get them professional help, not yes, not having their friends like, dude, is this man even in therapy? Yeah, you got you have to go pro. Literally, like, you got to see a doctor, a brain doctor. And that's that's what that's what would help this man. Not not having your friends like, you know. Um, disassemble their boundaries and and you know be put continuously be put in the situation where they have to like you know pick sides or give up their own mental health to support someone you know like of course support from afar but like what really really helps is like you know we know that um, 12 step programs work that interventions work that you know going spending time at a mental health facility works yes various ways of stopping running from something that is going on inside of you yes that like maybe you didn't put it there and maybe it's torturing you yeah. and it's scary and it's horrible and you don't want it there but yeah. either way it is inside of you and there's a certain point where you need to look it in the eye yes. and figure out how you're going to get it the fuck out and know that yes. it's going to take time and work and like yeah. Tom is doing the opposite of 12 steps like you know how one of the steps is like reaching out to the people that you've yeah. wronged number He's four like, reaching out to people and be like you wronged me no that's not how that works <laughs> and it's just like and it's also i'm sorry i feel like there's something and and also i just want to say it is so important none of this is saying that tom does not deserve like 
compassion and help in moving through suicidal ideation. That is really fucking scary. And so none of this is me saying is like, yeah, sort of dismissing that. It's easier for a pro to give him that support and compassion that he needs. Absolutely. Not not people, other people around him who are like, you know, kind of victims of his actions. Right. Because it's like, what what are these people going to give you like? They're going to give you comfort and social standing. Like, that's, like, the beautiful thing about friendships is, like, how, like, happy and comfortable I feel around my friends. And it's, like, that is... It is such that is like a core human want. But like, sir, the reason you don't have it is because of decisions you made. And it's just very alarming for me seeing, taking into account what Rachel has shared on her podcast, Rachel Goes Rogue, about how he had been discouraging her from extending her stay in the mental health treatment facility. It's just really alarming to see somebody who is in such a scary, bad place be, take like such a... Oh my god, it's just such an all or nothing approach. Yeah. Like he's like saying like either like you forgive me for everything and help me and stand by me at a time when I'm suicidal or you are saying that I deserve to die. Yeah. It's honestly like it feels like for as a viewer kind of like what he is setting up. And again, like suicidal yeah. ideation is so scary. Yeah. But that being said, it's not an all-in-one. And sorry, okay, this is sorry, I feel like I'm going on a rant. No. But the other thing is that when he's talking about like podcasts that are ripping him to shreds, he is lumping the entire internet together. I am sure that there were like vile, horrific, violent things that were DM'd to Sean Sandoval, probably like put posted publicly. Like, so I am, so that is fucked up and that is horrible. It frustrates me when people do that because the people who are on the extreme end are delegitimizing all the other people who are just calling for accountability. Because now Tom gets to say, well, everybody on the internet has it out for me and is violent and horrible and doesn't care about my mental health. When it's like, for so many people, like they are not extremists. They are asking for very reasonable things yeah. and he's allowed to dismiss them because he makes it an all or nothing thing. Right. And also like... I don't know. That makes me kind of feel bad for Billy and Kyle who are really standing by his side. And it's like, where's, I don't know. Maybe this is me making shit worse, but like show them a little appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I realize I'm coming down kind of hard. Not that he cares. He would We're care. so tired. He would give a flying fuck what <laughs> I think, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would like look yeah. me, he would get, look me from like my toes to my head and be like, <laughs> like, you know, like, you just be like, nothing about your vibe makes me want to respect you. So, like, I know, Tom, I know you probably don't give a shit what I have to say if you are even listening to this or more specifically his lawyers who probably are. But, like, this is all me talking about, like, redemption. Like, I believe very, very wholeheartedly in redemption. Can I say as, like, also, this is total sidebar, but, like, as an Asian woman who goes to, like, K-spa, you know, Japanese bathhouses, Korean spas, like, him going into the cold plunge and saying it's a nine, <laughs> I was like, girl. <laughs> I know. Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> I did a cold plunge. Honestly, one of, like, the best things I did for my mental health. Because yeah. it's, like, I think there's something for, like, me with, like, anxiety and, like, all those fucking mental health spiders in my brain. Like, there was something very good about being, like, you're in an uncomfortable situation. You're going to, like, deal with it yeah. and feel like it's okay. 
you know, it was intense, but like an intense <laughs> numb six at most. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. nine is crazy. Yeah. You know what? I am hypocritical though, because when I um and I and I had the video on my Instagram, but when I got my ears pierced, Ariana asked, um, from one to ten, how was the pain? And I was like, ten. <laughs> <laughs> So I cannot be talking right now. I cannot. <laughs> you know, if it, sometimes it feels like it's out in the moment. And then you, afterwards you recontextualize it. So. Yeah, I was being a baby. I'll admit it. <laughs> but yeah, in, in conclusion on Tom Sandoval, redeem yourself. Please. Rede- and yeah, yeah. I want your redemption. And redemption requires accountability. And that's oh. what I'm saying is I have seen Jack fucking shit. Did you see, the, did you see his Danny Masterson quote too? No. Where he was like, I'm more, I'm probably going to mess this up. But like, where he's like, I'm more hated than Danny Masterson. And he was a rapist. And I'm like, dude, dude, if you, if you are like trying to, regain the empathy of your fans and viewers this is not the way to do it and you're just offending so many people after it's just the self-awareness in that comment bums me out that that is so lacking and like I think I think what it is right now why I'm upset is because I want to say this to him because I you know was close to him he at spent one point. So much time with this man in a lot of ways. There's like it's akin to family, like the relationship you cultivate. You were very close with this man. Yeah, and so and it's, it's like, like ah, and you know, like me being a woman of color, like I hope that. I rubbed off on him. My my snowflake liberalism kind of maybe like rubbed off on him a little bit. Um, <laughs> like, we can dream. <laughs> we can dream. I'm like, did that actually have any effect, or was I just like screaming into a void that ultimately didn't think I was my opinion mattered? <laughs> he was like, yeah. After you're done telling me that, um, can you pick up my laundry? And I'm like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, perhaps. One of the more important things I need to say about yes. this episode, Katie, there's I love you so much for so many reasons, and so many of them are based yeah. on your character and your values, the way you carry yourself and the way you treat people. How does one person look so good wet? Oh, my she gosh. In the, I'm talking about a cast member in a pool up. party scene. That's yeah. all the context you need. This woman looked fucking amazing. Yeah. So good wet. Yeah. She looks amazing wet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely giving me... Um. Uh. What's her name? Um. Fast times at Ridgemont High pool, stepping out of the pool in slow motion vibes, a yeah. little bit like, like sexy, mysterious, just like slicked back hair. Yeah. Oh my god, she looks so fucking good. Very um. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. You know who else is very cool? Who? Our guest Jackie. Jackie Merchant. She sure is. <laughs> Truly, guys, this is a treat. I like as a reality TV fan, I was so fascinated by this conversation just to like understand the specifics of like the kinds of conversations that go on behind yeah. the scenes, how it all works. Yeah, how the magic is made. So, without further ado, enjoy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. We are so happy you are here. We are joined by the fantastic, fantastic, spectacular, brilliant woman, Jackie Merchant. Hello. Hi. That was very kind. Thank you. <laughs> I feel strong energy. I feel passionately. Yeah. Um, and Jackie is a story producer. She works in the reality TV space. So often when we talk about reality TV, the edit, the producers, etc. Um, we don't really know exactly how those things work. 
Jackie knows exactly how they work, and some of them are her job. Jackie is a story producer for F-Boy Island, Perfect Match, The Real World, to name a few. There's a, She's worked on everything and anything in reality TV. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so cool. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I fell into it accidentally. Like, I came out here to... Uh, do scripted sitcoms mostly. I really wanted to work in comedy, and that's how I initially met Anne yes. back in the day, which is great. So funny. But my first job was I was a tape logger for Real World, <gasps> which was at that point they were still using, you know, physical videotapes. Yeah. And uh, since there's such a huge amount of footage for Real World in particular, yeah. they were about like eight to, no, well, 16, because there was a day and a night shift, like overnight. Wow. Of, uh, Fresh out of college kids yeah. who would just watch the raw tapes and like not fully transcribe, but at least like summarize. Yeah. Right. Because they have uh, field producers in the field while they're shooting who will type up the notes and give you like the highlights of everything. But for a show like Real World, where they literally were feel, uh, filming 24-7, they needed people to like fine tooth comb things. And sometimes it was just like, this person calls their friend from home and they talk about this. But the story producing team needed those logs to really read through and be like, okay, we just need someone like venting to, uh, to someone at home. You know, does anyone know of a scene? And the producers in the field may not have caught it, but hopefully they can read through all these notes we take. Yeah. And find those like hidden gem stories. Right, Amazing. right. Because you never know when you, you have to see the story as well as hear the story. So it's like, I'm upset because person A always like plays pranks on me. And then you, you get to, you'll have to like comb through the footage to find someone playing a prank on them. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned about story producers, which mm -hmm. is your current role now. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Reality television, there's sort of this implication that this is just how everything's unfolding, but of course it's a curated version of that. So can you let us know like how story producers like go about doing their job and what that job is? Yeah, of course. So we get notes, extensive notes from the field, which is really um, convenient. There's always like a daily hot sheet, which is like, written up story points, highlights, maybe like a key line highlighted. And they'll say like, put this in the commercial. This is great. And then there will also be very detailed time code notes. Like at this time of day, these people are just cooking in the kitchen. So it might not be something important. But if you ever need to just cut to a moment where like someone is like thinking in the morning and you want to throw a bite over it. So mm -hmm. you get their point of view. It's like, oh, let's just have them cooking eggs. Look in the notes. Where do they cook eggs? Here you go. Mm. So we that get all of those notes from the field. And then um, the higher ups and like the big, like my supervisor who I'm starting to take some more supervising jobs too, but nice. usually like the people in charge are like, okay, here are the big storylines. Let's divvy this up into like, you know, 10 to 13 episodes over the course of the season. And then just start honing each episode based on what we know were the good things right so okay so when you're mentioning this like interplay between the field producers the story producers can you talk a little bit about how much of your role is based on what you see in the field versus how much is like you kind of saying this is the story we're going for field team these are the kinds of things we want you to look out for and try to capture um in the best case scenario the story team is starting their job while the field team is like still finishing up their job. So the show is still shooting. Maybe they're in like the latter episodes and you're starting the early episodes. So hopefully there's like a little bit of overlap. So if you are planning ahead and you're like, 
oh my gosh, we never interviewed this person about this topic. Before everything wraps, make sure you ask them about this so we can get their POV. So in an ideal world, there's a lot of communication. Um, in an unideal world, which also happens, field wraps completely. All shooting is done. Cast members have gone home. There's no more cameras. And then they're like, okay, story team, you can start putting together the episodes. And you... Uh, very often come into situations where you're like, oh, they did not ask this person about this topic. Like, ugh, it's like chopped. Yeah. Almost. Or it's like you only have these ingredients. And I know you're trying to make a cake, but you don't have eggs. Yeah. So yeah. figure it out yeah. kind of thing. And uh, it's so that's like almost what I really love about my job. Is yeah. It's like cracking a puzzle. Yeah. Well, what happens when you don't have the eggs for the recipe? Like, what do you do that? <laughs> I love analogies. Um <laughs> Uh, there are a few different options. Sometimes you don't use that storyline because there's not it enough. Drops the whole storyline. Possibly, yeah. Possibly, wow. yeah. What's like a storyline where you just were like grieved losing? Um, nothing. I've like grieved losing. Um, because if it's big enough, like it won't be missed like that. Right. But um, I'm always sad to lose like little comedic subplots. Yeah. Either like for time. Like, it's not as big as an issue now because I work on a lot more streaming shows yeah. versus broadcast where you're like, this has to be 42 minutes. Mm -hmm. So when you're at the end and you have to cut four minutes out, it's like, oh, I guess like oh. the sad little runner of her with her puppy playing. Yeah. Like, that has to go away. The so. Bachelor does that a lot where the funniest things are after the show ends and the, the, the credits are rolling. And that I'm like, why isn't those moments in the actual like meat of the show? It's like a side dessert instead. I don't know. And when you say runner, just for the audience who might not be familiar with that term, what do you mean? Um, well, there's usually like an A storyline in every episode, like either a relationship thing or like a big fight or a job thing. A B storyline, like two characters sort of like doing like a, a silly adventure of some sort. And then <laughs> C might be just the C storyline might just be like, no, someone wants to adopt a puppy. Like it's ultimately inconsequential maybe to like the bigger episode, but it's great to see. Right, right, Loves right. a puppy. Oh, and by the way, my favorite thing in the world is cutting to an animal for a reaction shot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the world of Bravo loves yep. the Bravo pet. Favorite thing. It's, it's, and it is amazing. It's I do amazing. love it. Like, like, for example, in the last episode of VPR, when Maya like raises her eyebrow at Tom, um, hilarious, Which, yeah. hilarious reaction. Maya Ariana's dog. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to touch on was when you say kind of your bosses, mm -hmm. what are the job titles that would be considered kind of in like the supervisor higher ups than you? And also how much do you ask forgiveness versus permission? Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's always like executive producers who are like the runners of the production company putting together the show. There's a showrunner who usually is in field and has a big say in post as well. There's a story supervisor who oversees the season arc of the story. She uh, is giving notes. I say she, but it can be anyone, obviously. But <laughs> I'll say my best bosses are women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they will kind of note each episode and have in the back of their mind how it connects to all the episodes, like inter interlocking throughout the season. So right now on my current show, which is Perfect Match on Netflix, coming out next year. Yes. Very fun. Yes. Um, I am kind of the lead uh, story producer on two different episodes, but I have to keep in mind of like, okay, what what is happening in the episodes before and after? 
Is everything going to track, especially because Netflix drops, I think, like four episodes at a time. So you have to assume people are going to be like binging these in one night. You have to make sure they all flow together. I feel like reality TV has always been, you know, kind of focused on the network television. Mm -hmm. So that must change the game having to cater the episodes for someone binging rather than like once a week we drop it and then yeah. you have to like wait a whole week to watch the show like how how much does that affect storyline and how you spread the the juice <laughs> well i know in particular for cuz i think netflix has they used to drop one season at once now they've been doing like 433 three, yeah. i think for a lot of shows you have to make sure the the cliffhang at the end of episode four is like, oh, shit, I gotta watch next week. That was so good. You right. know, like, so one through four can like kind of flow into each other to an extent. You still want to have it compelling enough to keep watching. Mm. But like at the end of that fourth one, you want to be like, oh, man, like I got to tune in for the next drop. Yeah. You know? Like, don't forget us. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the tools in your toolbox? And I'm sure it varies kind of from show to show, but like, you know, so ways you might conduct interviews, uh, games or various kind of like structural things you might have the cast do, Frankenbites, like tell us a little bit about like all the different things you are using to build this story. Well, I work, I would say like 95% in post. So most of the time I am not doing any personal interaction with the cast which is nice because they can be a lot to deal with on the various shows. Sure. Uh, I could attest to that. <laughs> so um, in a way, it's like the puzzle is like I'm working with stuff that is like, this is what they said. This is what you have to work with. Like, here's how you whittle it down. And I'd say that's most of my job is whittling down. Mm-hmm. So like, um, you know, most episodes of most television shows have like sort of a tent pole event, especially Bravo shows. There's like, this restaurant opening is like the main thing that happens there. So when you are assigned to work on an event like that, it'll be like six hours, four cameras, like 16 individual live mic tracks, like all linked together, like different people talking. Each individual person has their microphone. And it takes weeks to go through one of these events because you can't just like watch it in real time and absorb everything what happened right you have to like oh these people these two went off to the side to have like a secret conversation let me isolate those mics and like listen to that meanwhile there's like four other conversations happening so you have to really dig into like the meat of these parties and like perfect match in particular which i'm working on right now is we have these mixers And we're right now we're deep in the mega mixer, which is 22 cast members, alcohol, um, side conversations. You know, it's just like takes weeks to go through it and make it cohesive, interesting, streamlined without like too many side tangents. Like we in most events like this, you will trim entire side stories. Wow. If they are distracting from the main ones you want to focus on. Perfect match. Can you tell us, give us like a little overview of what that show oh, format yeah, is for anybody who's not familiar? Perfect match is a Netflix dating show made made up of other cast members from they they call it like the Netflix cinematic universe at this oh, point. Wow. <laughs> so it's like people who have been on Love is Blind, which is like their big hit yes. dating show. Uh, there, let's see. There are people from Too Hot to Handle. Too Hot to Handle is a huge one. Yeah, uh, and then other not as well known ones called like Dated and Related, which is where you go on a dating oh. show with your sibling yeah. and you like uh, try to 
like uh, soap out up. people for your sibling to date and they look for people for you. Um, that was the only one I couldn't get into. No. I, it just felt, I don't know, I, I couldn't do it. I, I think I tried the first episode and was like, this is weird. They're all just making out in front of yeah. each other's like brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's like any show where it's like the title invokes incest. Right. Is an interesting <laughs> one. There should have been more rounds of notes on that title for sure. But I feel like that's maybe intentional to yeah. be like, I gotta watch this weird show. Yeah, totally. So there's oh, cast the members. Yeah. Oh, there's someone from The Circle Love in this the upcoming circle. season. And then Surviving Paradise, which I don't think is out yet. Um, so it's all these people, good characters from a variety of shows. The best of the best. The Not necessarily the dating shows either. Mm. It's like all those people dating in a beautiful villa in Tulum. And Nick Lachey is like, you're here to find your perfect match. Why is Nick Lachey? I do uh, not he's know. He's hosting every... I don't know how he cornered this market. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, good for him. But at the same time, I'm like, how did this happen? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did we get here? <laughs> good for him. But he's yeah. he's good at being a host. Yeah, so, he's yeah. good at being a host. So these people like date each other and they like pair up. And then at various points throughout the show, they're allowed to trade partners, bring in new people to see like who is their more perfect match. So mm. it's juicy. It's frothy. Yes. That is the note we're getting oh. from Netflix right now, which is this needs to be more frothy. And we're all like, can you? define that in a non-coffee way (laughs) so i think it's like fun like scandalous like sexy yes sexy compelling a little more love island yeah i love 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 island by the way so good i gotta watch perfect match i haven't seen it's fun yeah it's frothy i love love frothy (laughs) yes a question just like popped up in my head but like you know, they, there's always a lot of talk about Frankenbites, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, when you take an audio, when you have like an audio recording of someone and then they chop it up so that they make you say like, uh, this is just a hypothetical, but like, I don't know, I hate trucks. And then <laughs> and then they'll be like, they'll replace like the word hate with love. So it'd be like, I love trucks. Right. Or yeah. ask you like, who's your roommate? And if you say it's Margaret, then they can make you say, I hate Margaret. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Yep, like, that is a huge part of my job. Wow. I have a, I personally have like a moral rule against making anyone say anything that's literally the opposite of what they say in real life. Frankenbiting is used very often, not usually in like the egregious way that people like claim it is. It's us- usually just used to condense people's thoughts into like a clear, concise bite. You know, it's like, so it's all things they've actually said and it's just, whittled down so it's like a pure thought versus you know a rambling (laughs) sentence which they absolutely do do. so we you know give people we want to give people a nice edit for the most part we want to present them in a good way yeah so we just make them seem very well spoken as well spoken as they possibly can be yeah um and then but we do absolutely use frankenbites to accentuate things um, like say there's a character we want to play as like a little more sneaky and conniving. Like maybe in real life they're like, oh, I don't know. I kind of feel bad about this. We just don't include that part of the sentence. Right. But we might find like a little like hee hee hee, like a little clap to for them to throw at like the end of a bite. Like they're gleeful. They just did something sneaky. Yeah. Like those sorts of things. Maybe you combine two interviews from two different days to make it seem like these two uh, topics are like related. So like 
someone gets, say example, someone gets in a fight and like is like breaks a dish in the kitchen uh, accidentally. You can link it to they're upset about their girlfriend said something the previous night. Mm. You know, like so those sorts of connective tissue things, which is yeah. it's like believable. You would yeah. believe like that person is upset and that's why they dropped the dish. It's so interesting when a real person is trying to explain like the decisions they made and the idea of like, you know, like blaming the story producers and kind of like, you know, passing the buck and how much of that is like them just not wanting to face the consequences of their right. actions. Totally. Uh, there will absolutely be instances where someone regrets what they did on camera. In thinking about the ways that you know, cast members might feel we've seen both through lawsuits and through just like discourse on social media that there's this power imbalance or that cast members feel like they can't always control their portrayal. But because this is such a thing that is talked about that people who now go on reality shows are aware of, how do you see them, if at all, trying to control their portrayal or like trying to influence the way the story shakes out? Mm. Uh, Well, I feel like One thing nowadays is people, there's a lot more of going on reality shows. People go on multiple reality shows, right? They have a pre-existing social media presence. They have this persona that's already out there. They want to continue to shape that narrative. So, um, uh, for example, when there are incidents where like uh, on my current show, when someone might maybe make a move on someone that they weren't supposed to be making a move on and they don't think the cameras caught it, but we did. Um, in interview, they would like plead the fifth. they like, nope, didn't happen. But you have to assume the audience is smart. So you almost like use all this footage to your advantage. The audience sees the footage, they hear the audio of things happening. And then when you cut to an interview being like, no, no, didn't happen. The audience can make their own conclusions. Yeah. So it doesn't always stymie you. Totally. Um, But definitely the cast members are very aware of trying to uh, put out their personas because it is a it's a career move for them as well. Yeah. A lot of these things, especially the people who willingly come back to multiple reality shows. Yeah. it's, It's part of their public life. There's like this precedent of of reality TV. You know, there's a long history of it now. So it's like they know how to move the chess pieces. Do you ever feel like they try to like outsmart you or outrun you? Um, I have not personally come across that too much. Um, I feel like we try to protect cast members as often as we can. We're, we're not here to ruin people's lives. You know, we're here to make good television. We want people to be compelling yes of course so there will be villains in yeah. all of these shows but i i am not malevolent <laughs> you know yeah. you know i want to do a good job and i want people to like me if i ever run into them yeah. for sure yeah. uh which is why I just my, personally i always lean towards like comedy rather than like look how much this person sucks so yeah. um but in terms of have they ever tried to like push back the most they'll do is just not want to talk about a topic in interview or yeah. a very like terse answers. Um, one device I really like when shows use the interviewer talking like in the interviews. So you see that that little fourth wall of the interviewer trying to get stuff out of them and then just be like, nope, nope. Like I like that's that's storytelling as well. Yes. Hear them not answer a question. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's like with a crew and a camera there. 
you know, it that is part of the reality that is occurring. And whenever we're conscious of that in reality shows, like I feel like that started happening more and more like later in the history of reality TV. It is so fascinating to me, um, which is a big reason why we wanted you to come on this podcast. <laughs> also, um, on the topic of the questions that producers mm-hmm. might ask in these sort of confessional style interviews that Ooh, are inserted. I have yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. T- okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the strategy behind coming yeah. up with those questions. Um, as an interviewer, you are their friend. You are their confidant. So, like, uh, you can ask different cast members uh, different questions about the same event, but you phrase it and present it to them in a way that's like, we want to hear your side of the story. Like, because this person really wasn't being too, like, kind to you at this thing. Like, what's your take on that? So you you hone it towards the person to get them to be like, yeah, I do want to talk about that. Okay, so let's say Ann and I are roommates. Yes. We have a tandem parking spot, which means one car goes in the back of the other car. So the car that's furthest in (laughs) cannot get out. It's a very common LA thing. Yeah. It's a horror that was only introduced to me here. (laughs) And so let's say there was like a dispute. Let's say my car was blocking Ann in and she missed a job in her. Yeah. Can can I say like this hypothetical show would be like the real LA, real world? (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) roommates in LA. This is how living in LA actually is. It's not like a nice mansion. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, the most cursed parking you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you drink cleanings on three days a week, <laughs> so if you're the story producer in this scenario, like how might you talk to me, or like what's a question that you might ask me about the situation? Um, first of all, you one problem we run into with interviews is people will just tell what happened, like they'll just reenact the whole situation. You want to get into the depth of like how they feel and like. What were your reactions to this sort of situation? Because if they're seeing the scene, they don't want to also hear an interview bite of like, oh, my God, my car, it's blocked in. You know, you want to hear like, you want to phrase the question in a way to get out something like, why is this so frustrating that she always does this? Like, Mm. what is it about her that like she's insensitive? Like, yeah, I want to link it to like a larger interpersonal story versus just like an uh, an unfortunate, you know, yeah. inconvenience. It's like labeling feelings, which mm-hmm. is like something I do a lot in therapy. Is like, yeah. what is this feeling I have? Let's label it. And then you can find the context around that. Mm-hmm. In this parking spot scenario, like, let's say when you kind of ask about the feelings, like, what if I don't take the bait, so to speak? What if I'm like, you know, I did tell Anne I was bo- blocking her in. I'd had a really long day at work. I was going to be sleeping in. Like, for my POV, you know, I really I thought I'd mentioned that. I guess I didn't, though. And, you know, like mistakes happen. Um, we would honestly, we might even consider not using it if it's not interesting enough. Okay. Like if there's not enough conflict, if they seem like it's an inconvenience, but it's just like, eh, whatever, we resolved it. We might just not consider using it. You know, we want things. There are huge, huge, huge storylines that are left on the cutting room floor of every season of these types wow. of things. Um, so, so like a small thing could be easily lifted without a second thought. That's fascinating because we've all come from the improv world. All I could think of right now is, is, you know, the terminology like peas in a pod where it's two people who are kind of matching the same energy. 
Um, so like, I guess reality TV isn't the most fun of peas in a pod type storylines. Right. I think what you're talking about is such a good segue into the ethics mm. and the boundaries of mm. this world. Yeah. Certain shows might give cast members alcohol more freely to kind of have their emotions come out. Some some shows have a two drink maximum so that the alcohol doesn't interfere with emotions. Um, how is that used in the reality TV world? I am hugely in favor of drink limits on shows uh, for many reasons. One is like, you know, health and safety of our cast members. Uh, we don't want liability reasons, you know, anything to happen to them uh, for their own sake and for ours as well. But from a storytelling standpoint, it just makes things easier when people are coherent, able to voice their point of view in scenes. Like a drink or two may loosen lips a little bit for sure, but you, it's just impossible trying to make anything sound coherent when someone is slurring their words and obviously like drunk and falling over. It's just like not fun television to me like yeah maybe in the 90s when real world was going crazy back in the day but yeah not nowadays like i'm not i don't want to see that i always think about that like um you know like the very first movies where you put the penny in and you could like watch yeah. through the little lenses it was like cats boxing was like the shit like people yeah. were like I i'm getting in line <laughs> to see these cats box and now it's like oh like we kind of the mystery of like seeing humans wasted we're kind of sick of it because we've seen that in the 90s and now we want to see like humans humaning hard mm -hmm. i also think it's so interesting to hear you say that because i think so often there's this narrative whether it's pushed by reality tv stars or sometimes viewers of like the producers as like alcohol is our secret weapon this mm -hmm. is how we make the drama happen this is how we make the fights happen so it's really interesting to hear from a, to hear from someone on the inside who says well, no, but like to do my job and to have coherent story, like we need people to be in a state where they can record that. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like, um, I, I, and I don't know how much contact you have with like other story producers mm -hmm. um, like in the industry, so I don't mean to make you speak for them as a whole, but would you say that sentiment is pretty much shared among story producers of like, we really don't want the alcohol to go too right. far? Or would you say there's some colleagues who might be like, no, we like it when it gets a little messy. That's yeah. good for or, us. Or depending on the show too. Yeah, it depends on the show for real. Um, I mean, I, my, I want my job to be easy. Like, I don't want it to be like a, a nightmare to try to figure out how to make this scene coherent. Mm -hmm. So I just, I want it to be easy. You know, I want it to be a clear, concise storyline with an arc and a nice little button at the end. Uh, like it's obviously some messiness and like off the wallness is fun, but I really, I don't, I don't enjoy seeing someone trashed. Yeah. It's like a personal. Yeah. Stance, yeah. Speaking of nightmares, what are some examples of like the biggest fires that would, yeah, we wanna... that you would have to put out? Yeah, yeah, we want to know when things go wrong. Uh, the well, I, I'm sure this is like across the industry of television and movies, but you hear we'll fix it in post, and like that's <laughs> where a lot of things do come down. Um, like either something didn't get shot or audio glitched and you didn't catch something like those sorts of things and at least for real world which was at that point like very truly completely unguided unproduced we really just followed them around wow. um nowadays shows are a little more guided a producer might intervene and being like hey can you guys start that scene again the cameras were getting set up hmm. sorts of things but um 
the biggest incident ever was uh, I was working on a competition show, which is like 10 episodes long. Me and my story producing partner were responsible for putting together the finale where like uh, teams were competing and there was like one final event. I'm being vague to hide the show that it was. Yeah. It was. NDA. But it was, <laughs> but it was a competition show where one team out of five would win. And me and my partner were putting together like the final scene where the final team won. And I was like, huh, I think there's like a camera missing in the system. Because like I have this really long wide shot of the winning team like crossing the finish line. And then I have the angle on the host being like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Oh, my God, they did it. They just won. They're the champions. But there was no shot of the winning team crossing the finish line. Oh, my God. So we were like, oh, okay. So usually you go to the assistant editor who's like responsible for loading all the footage into the computer being like, hey, I think there's a camera missing. Can you check? It'll be around this time. Mm. And usually they're like, oh, we found it. We just added it in. You're like, great. Uh, The guy was like, I'm looking at the list of all the tapes from the field. Everything's accounted for in the system. Like every tape they said they recorded that day is loaded in. So we're like, um, okay. So at that point, you have to dig deeper. The supervising producer called the director who was on set that day. And they're like, hey, so you shot them winning the show right he's like yeah like we would have noticed if we didn't do that so now it's like people say they shot this shot we didn't have the winning team crossing the finish line to win we had them like coming over to the host to send 10 seconds later be like hey we did it yeah um so we had to figure out what to do at that point it was very specific weather conditions that day the cast members were across the other side of the world filming a different show. Oh, no, we couldn't recreate this in any way. So, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, what are our options? It was like, do we animate it? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do we just show this super long wide shot and have that, like, hopefully work? It was like, no, that's terrible. And then my pitch, which was very funny but would also not have flown, which was... Remember in like Wet Hot American Summer when he's saving the kids from the river? Yeah. And Joe LaTrulio is like, oh my God, they're doing it. They're saving the kids. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, great. It was like just to save budget. It was so funny. It would have been so funny, but it would not have been on tone for the show. So they had to eventually go to the warehouse where all the blank extra leftover tapes were stored at the end of the shoot. Because the show had wrapped. It was just like, here's extra blank tapes. Yeah. We threw them all in a box. Over the weekend, the post supervisor just went through this whole box of blank tapes being like, maybe one of these has the footage. Oh, my God. And like at the 80th tape, she's like, oh, my gosh, this one's not funny. <gasps> it was a completely unmarked tape oh. in a box of like 200 tapes wow. that had the exact angle we needed. It just like somehow fell out of a bag, wasn't logged, wasn't categorized in any way. Oh my so we were like... Oh my God! The show is saved. Hallelujah! <laughs> you found you found the needle in the haystack, yeah. and it was like it was needle in the haystack, and it just aired with no incident. Like we never she, let anyone know. But. She has been praying that something because, like, my most likely outcome would be, of course, there's nothing on these tapes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just doing this because I'm just praying right. something will save me. 
But like, do you guys ever look back and think like, what would have we done if we didn't have that shot? I really don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it was above my pay grade at the time. So yeah. it wouldn't have come down to me. But there would have been firings. There would have been yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Wow. Like a lot of extras wearing um, like disguises. To right. Look, like, yeah. No. Recreate the scene. Yeah. <laughs> In um, like looking at the way sort of from the field and then as a story producer in post, like kind of like that balance. I'm curious about once you've done that, you made your draft and you send it to higher ups. If they have notes, like mm. how often have you ever gotten notes where you're like, how am I supposed to do this? Oh, like that's literally every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of them are like, uh, no, we didn't shoot it that way. Um you know, sometimes we have to answer frankly, like if a network executive is like, hey, do we have this? And you'll be like, nope, we don't. We don't. You know, we can yeah. try. But uh, what are like the kinds of things an exec might push for? And that like, would they be like, we want a, a more like dramatic action shot or yeah, a lot of a lot of it is uh, changing music, sometimes just like little trims. Like those are the easy network notes to do. It's yeah. when you see a global note at the top of the document that's like, uh, so we're not feeling this storyline and you're like uh okay like then you have to go back to the drawing board a little bit and figure out if it's a matter of do I change like the person's point of view in the storyline do I condense it with like the next episode where it's like that storyline continues to make it more concise and better um yeah it's tricky <laughs> that is tricky like how do you make like a not interesting storyline interesting like what what would be i'm just trying to think of like if i got in that note from the executives what i would do to fix yeah. it the biggest thing i think we do in our jobs in general is to just make it shorter mm. like sometimes it will be just a ton of bells and whistles in a story that are distracting it from the core of mm. what makes it interesting so we might tram a lot out and just like maybe there's like one big scene rather than like three scenes, you right. know. So a lot of a lot of condensing for sure. If you're trimming some of the context, um, which can you know kind of like you were saying before, how someone's saying, I mean, I feel kind of bad about this, but the truth is, you know, how mm -hmm. this context that can be really relevant for the way the audience perceives these characters. Do you ever get notes that? make you feel kind of on a personal level conflicted because they're asking for something that in your mind isn't reality or they're asking for you to spin things in a certain way that might be compromising to cast members. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think if I have any specific examples where I could give details that aren't <laughs> revealing. Yeah, identifiable. Right. Um, we're trying to make it soon. We don't want to get sued. This is the song where we talk about not getting sued. <laughs> There's a certain level of pushback you can give. Okay. And it usually doesn't come down to me. It might come down to my higher up kind of using their executive speak to be like, hey, we're actually not comfortable with portraying this person that way. Mm. If it's like a, a minor note, like a more just minutia note to hone the episode, make it funnier, swap out music, swap out bites, like that's fine. Uh, but there's usually like a couple notes on each pass of an episode where you will say not addressed in the notes document and explain why a little bit. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, it's up to the people above me to go back to the network and explain why things were not addressed. And they have more leverage to be like, yeah, that's a bad note. You know, like that's the underlying thing. Like that's a bad note and we're not doing it, but we'll, we'll phrase it in a way that seems a little nicer. Um, so the question I want to ask is, okay, so I love the real world. Mm-hmm. Love, 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 love. Um, there was a season of the real world where um, a cast member, it turned out, was dating a producer on the show. What are, like, now they have rules, I, I'm assuming, to implement to not have those streams cross right. because once there's, like, you know, relationships being developed, it could it could really change how you, uh, you know, view the storyline. There might be some biases. Like, what has the reality TV world, um, what steps have they taken in to make this more like consciously like more ethical and, you know, to kind of eliminate those biases? I think just like as shows got more popular and more of like a money making thing, Mm -hmm. it just inherently got that legal aspect of everything looped in. Um, So aside from just storytelling of not wanting, you know, producers bias to bleed into uh, an episode being shot, you just have like the overall like I don't want to get sued sort of. <laughs> we know that really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's absolutely bias that happens regardless. Like I have my favorites, favorites and least favorites of cast members on every show I work on. So if I have someone I really like, I'll do my best to be like, oh, they're so sweet. Let me like put a little smile here from them, like sweet music. And then if someone's like, oh, they annoy me, you know, for whatever reason, I, you know, then it's not like we're crafting it that way, but they are kind of annoying. So we're portraying the truth, but also not shying away from uh, like, yeah, they're annoying. Yeah. You you feel less bad. Like nice little button on it. Nice little bow. Be like, yeah, you're annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And it is. And it's storytelling. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, if it's storytelling, this isn't just like, documentary journalism where it's meant to be very sterile and factual so much of this is just like the way humans understand each other so it makes yeah. sense that the way you're understanding these humans impacts the way that the story is going to be told mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you still have they're still characters you know yeah. they're real people and we're showing their real elements but yeah uh, an average real person isn't interesting to television you have to hone it and have a little bit of an archetype when they're being presented just to make them like, oh, they're the quirky one. You know, they're the fun one. Like right. everything. Everything yeah. has that. Yeah. You have a job to do and you have to do it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so interesting to get a look at like the logistical elements of your jobs. And I, I presume when you watch reality TV, mm-hmm. there are things you notice that other people wouldn't. Can you, first of all, what are some shows that you like to watch? And second of all, what are the things that you notice that the average viewer might it might just go over their head oh yeah um well my favorite show right now is the traitors mm-hmm. which is how you have to pronounce it the traitors <laughs> alan coming just a delight of a Love show a oh my goodness yeah. british season and american seasons are both very good i've okay. also watched australia and canada when i was just like i love this format because my favorite format of shows is like high stakes, high concept reality deceit shows. Yeah. So the mole is amazing. Uh, there was a show in like 2001 called Murder in Small Town X. 
that no one remembers, but oh my God, look it up. It is so good. It's basically like they cast this entire town in Maine full of actors and being like actors being like the lighthouse keeper, the woman who runs the inn, the the person that person is having an affair with. And then the contestants were like these detectives, real people, and they have to figure out who is the serial killer who's picking them off one by one? And it's so immersive and it's so great. It's like I would a love that. it's like a murder mystery birthday party, like on cocaine. Yes. Like the biggest and version it's of so it. So great. And I, I was watching it, I watched it again on YouTube or Daily Motion or one of those a couple years ago. And there's like booms in the shot. <laughs> and it's janky, but I was like, I still love it. Oh my God. Have you ever worked on a show where halfway through they were like, we have to cancel this? Like, yes. you know, the one where the kids- I currently experience a heartbreak. <gasps> oh no. My favorite show, uh, but tied with F-Boy Island, I would say. My favorite show I worked on is the upcoming season of The Joe Schmo Show. Oh, I love the original Joe Schmo. so good. Yeah. It is currently on the shelf, and it is starring people that we personally know. And I want it to be released so badly. Uh, a trailer came out last <sighs> May, and then no news since then. It's It's caught up in the whole discovery warner cluster of like we're just gonna like shelf things for tax layoffs petition you guys the show is so good and i cried like multiple times just because of how sweet our like joe guy is yeah how deserving he was oh my god in this experience that's like the first season yes when at first Kristen wig was on the show yeah then like some of these people are gonna blow up like in a year yeah they don't want to be sitting on a Kristen wig yes can we do a quick pickup just yeah. of, um, for people who might not know the Joe Schmo, <laughs> the Joe Schmo show, what is the format? Oh, it's a whole competition series that was scripted and planned, uh, full of actors portraying all the, the host, the contestants, aside from one guy who was just like a regular Joe. And he, the episodes were orchestrated to like kind of cause him the most amount of like anguish and involvement in the storylines um the reboot i worked on had a a little bit more of like a more well-natured uh angle like we want to elevate this guy uh rather than like poke fun at him yeah which i think was a really good update yeah season season one i'm just wanted to add season one is like if person a was put in x situation how would they react Mm -hmm. and what what nobody could have predicted was that the Joe Schmo person always did the right thing. Yep. And that is what everybody, it just blew everyone's mind of like, oh my God, I, A, I didn't realize how entertaining it was to see someone just do the right thing mm-hmm. and how emotionally rewarding it is Ugh. to watch that. And that's why I cried like every day at work because he is such a good guy Ugh. and I want him to like be part of this, like the same way that everyone fell in love with the jury duty i was gonna say this is all like i i'm completely stumped as to why this amazing show is sitting on the shelf whoever can make magic happen please do it the show is great and and for the reason the dumbest reason of like oh it was the network is changing power and saving money and taxes Mm -hmm. like taxes is the worst reason to not do something ever artistic it's the uh, taxes are the opposite of art and entertainment (laughs) the most boring upsetting things in the world so it's awful to see them get in the way um quick sorry uh quickly before we let you go 
Anne is on Vanderpump season 11. Yeah. It's been so exciting to see it unfold. Are you a Vanderpump fan? Are you watching anything? Do you know about Scandaval? I know of it. I have not seen an episode of it. But when Scandaval happened, I was like Googling like, why is this a big deal? You know, like <laughs> luck. And then luckily someone made a YouTube video like with all the clips and highlights explaining like the backstory and why it was a big deal. And I was like, yay, I'm caught up. This is great. It's just one of those things I just didn't happen to watch for the totally. years that has yeah. been on. Totally. Yeah. Since learning about Scandaval mm -hmm. and how huge that was from kind of like your work brain, how would you approach filming season 11 of Vanderpump. I know it might be different than <laughs> yeah. some of the shows that you've worked on, but yeah. like what are some of the things as a story producer you would be looking to do to kind of satiate the public after this really, really mm -hmm. exciting, captivating news story went down? Well, I know at least how we've dealt with it because I have worked on Bravo shows where there's gaps in filming where yeah. huge things happen. And then the first episode back in the season is like, catching up the viewers on the social media posts that every ma everyone made. The U.S. Weekly, like, graphics make it into our episode kind of summarizing everything. So it's really just filling... It's filling those narrative holes for the viewers who might not be caught up. Like, mm -hmm. that's my concern, at least, as a storyteller, is to... You assume that people kind of know everything since they're rabid fans, but you have to err on the side of just, like, if I have never seen an episode... And I know this huge thing happened over the summer. How would I set up episode one of the next season to just establish all that info? Right. Um, a question that I really want to quickly ask is like, so, you know, my friends who are like cinematographers, maybe like that when they watch a movie, it's like they watch a movie differently than I do where I'm immersing myself in the story and the people in it. But they're they're watching it in this critical eye of like that rack focus wasn't great or like the lighting is like weird or whatever. How has being the story producer in a reality show affected how you watch mm. reality TV? I, I can see how things were edited a lot of the different times. I can always hear, or most of the time, unless it's like mixed very well, the audio, you can hear when an ADR line is yeah. slid in. Um, America's Next Top and, Model does that all the yeah. time. <laughs> and when you say ADR, I don't know what it stands for, but it's basically picking up a line of dialogue after the fact to kind of make something more sensical. You'll see it in a lot in competition shows where the host is addressing like all 20 of the contestants. And the camera isn't on the host talking, but you hear him talking and like some, you just hear the tone of his voice, like change a little bit or like, like the audio quality, audio. Yeah. audio quality is a little different. And you're like, oh, that was an ADR line. <laughs> they needed that to like clarify the rules for the viewer, like that sort of thing. And then I'm really good at picking up in competition shows within the first like 10 minutes who are going to be like the top and bottom yes. of that week. Ooh. So you'll see... Um, just people who are getting a few more interview bites than the rest. Um, if anyone ever talks about their home and backstory and childhood upbringing and like childhood difficulties, I'm like, uh oh, you're going home. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, That's a good role for bachelor viewers. Yeah. yeah, but sometimes sometimes they fake out. They give you a fake out. I've noticed that like um, a lot of shows will give the childhood backstory as almost like a misdirect because like you, think that, yeah, you think that person's going to go home and then they're like, nope, they're here another week or so. So uh, the editors are getting smart or they yeah. know how smart the viewers are. Yes, mm -hmm. that's the thing. Viewers are so 
freaking smart. And like I catch myself doing it too where like especially in America's Next Top Model like if someone is talking about how much like if there's like a mom who's a model and they're talking about how much they miss their kid Mm -hmm. you know they're going to leave the show. You're like oh god. I'm a huge huge challenge fan Mm -hmm. which is made up of former cast members from Road Rules and Real World and now it's like a billion other shows too. But whenever they call their family back home and like just catch up and are like, how much that I miss you. I'm like, Mm-mm, yeah, I'll be seeing them soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's always so unfortunate because you're like, oh, I really want this person to like keep going. But like you also understand like, you know, like maybe there's like a mourning or grieving process for your favorite character to go home. So the story producers are maybe being like, hey, just so you know, <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, it makes sense. I get it. <laughs> Thank you so much, yeah, Jackie. This was, I, I like fell into this career accidentally. Like I wanted to get more into scripting. And then once I realized how much storytelling and creativity was involved, I was like, I really like this. Yeah, so totally. I've been happy. Yeah. Is there any sentiment that you would want to leave viewers with or just, you know, like as someone who has this really unique vantage point on the reality TV industry, is there any kind of like message or just thing that you would want people to know? I would say for the most part, we do intend to tell the truth. We will make the truth more interesting, I will say. And we almost always want to portray someone in a good light unless they are absolutely just the worst. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Mission Impossible. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because in the end of the day, it is entertainment. Like that is the goal. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, Where can people find you? Uh, Is there anything you want to promote? Either your like personal socials shows that you're working on? I'm not like a huge social media person. My Instagram's private, so I really don't have uh, that to share. But I will say... I don't know when it drops, but Perfect Match Season 2 on Netflix is coming out probably before the end of the year. Uh, keep an eye out for F-Girl Island. Oh, no. Uh, change titles in post. It's now called like Lovers and Liars. I'm why? not sure why, but if you watch it, it's very clearly F-Girl Island. Same host, same format, just swapped the genders. And just please, let's get the Joe Schmo reboot out. Oh yes. my God. I would love to see Zazlev. that. Zazlev. Zazlev. David Zazlev. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank I you so, so appreciate much. your time. It's a blast. This yes. made me feel so much better about the reality TV industry <laughs> as a whole. And it was just so cool. Thank you for sharing your yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank, you Thank you for dissolving the fourth wall. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks. Maui Wowie. What a conversation with Jackie. <laughs> But Jackie, what is Jackie, it like? Incredible. Sorry, whenever you say Maui Wowie, all I can think of is like the cannabis strain. That's it. That's all I know it as. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe like a punch flavor. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Hmm. Chicken or the egg? Was it a flavor? <laughs> or was it a, a, was it a strain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Jackie was so cool. Yes. We felt sad ending the conversation yes. with her because we were just like there's so much to talk about there's so much meat on this bone yeah so please let us know what you think and if you have more questions like jackie is so cool we would yeah. love to bring her back we yes. would love to bring on more people who do what she does yeah so let us know the kinds of things that you're interested in while we kind of we're hoping to peel back this curtain a little bit show yeah. you this crazy world the way we've gotten to see it while respecting privacy yeah so let us know what kinds of things you're most interested in seeing yeah yeah like even i i mean working as assistant in reality tv like even i don't know everything about the you know the fourth wall and beyond it so 
any questions, yeah, help us out. Let us know. Okay. Yes. We're going to debut a little segment today Ooh. that's called... If they were your boss. I thought we were going to say I it did, Yeah, I threw you off. I opened my mouth. I'm so sorry. It's called If They Were Your Boss. And it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. We put a bunch of different people in a big old colander. We're going to pick a name from the colander. And we're just going to riff a little bit about, you know, as people who have been assistant support staff to many different people. Yeah. What do we think this person would be like as a boss? Okay. Who's okay. going first? I think I... you should go first. Okay. <laughs> All right, I feel a big one. I picked it. Sydney, Joey season. Oh, this is Bachelor. Yes. Is Joey's the current? Mm -hmm. Sydney is. Remind me. I'm so the sorry. Blonde Sydney. one who's like freaking out. The one who's um was on the the two on two one, on one yes. and got kicked off. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sydney as a boss. I feel like she might be a little critical. Mm-hmm. She. I. I feel like I might be on my tippy toes a little bit walking on eggshells if she's having a bad day is she gonna you know take something the wrong way and this is just off of impressions from a very um what do you say a competitive environment yeah so maybe she's a sweetheart in real life this is all silly speculation we yeah. are not in any way trying to speak to these people characters yeah. if sydney were your boss I think you would constantly be listening to stories and like affirming her and being like, she's in the wrong. She's in the wrong. Yeah, she's yeah, in yeah, the wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, that woman is right. That woman at Target had a point and you are like using some crazy words and you're my boss and that woman's not here. So I'm just going to like nod along. But like, you're constantly like, mm, I do not take your side, but, yeah. but I am paid to. So I will. Yeah, you'll you'll be in the car and she'll be like, did that? did that lady look at me weird? And you'll be like, w which lady? <laughs> the cashier. Yeah. She, she looked at me weird, right? And I'll be like, I, I didn't catch it, but like, maybe. If you were your boss, you'd be using the phrase, oh yeah, I guess. It's like so frequently. All the time. All the time. Also, I will say, I think she would give you some of the night, like I bet she would remember your birthday because I yes. think she very much would pride herself on being organized. Yeah. And, and I think she would give you like most like stylish pair of earrings you've ever seen in your fucking Oh life. my God. Best birthday gifts ever. Ever from Sydney. Yeah. Shout out to Sydney. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the regard. swag that she gets that is you get the runoff of. Vintage Oof. store swag. Oh my God. I would die. A dream. Dead. Done. Love. Done. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next. Your turn. Oh, 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 oh. What's she getting? I'm trying to down. Okay. Mary. Mary. <laughs> Salt Lake oh, City, Mary. Mary. Back for season five. Woo. Good okay. Lord. Yeah, Mary. If Mary were my boss, yeah. I would work one day. <laughs> Have a heart attack. And I would I would feel really unsure about <laughs> if I as a Jew was safe in the environment. And I would make up a family. I would make up like something like crazy. I would maybe I would maybe move just to quit this job. <laughs> I would be like, I can't be here. And she would be so nice. And I think we would get along well, but like she would say things where I'd be like, uh I'm gonna get smited. Smut? Smutted. Smutted. <laughs> <laughs> a pornography <laughs> to call someone a pornography is crazy I'm like 
Loki, you are pornography. <laughs> like, is that a compliment? <laughs> you think I have unrealistic body ideals? Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. You my sexual vibes are great, great, great. Do you have any feelings, opinions? Oh my gosh. Okay. If I didn't see Salt Lake City and I didn't know who Mary was, first impression, first day of work, I'll be like, this lady is so nice. I'm obsessed with her. Yes. And then you go home and watch Salt Lake City and you're like, holy shit, my boss might be a cult leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she would be, and I feel like she would be very charming. Yeah. So long very as you didn't charming. cross her, which oftentimes you don't as yeah. support staff. And I do love that she likes McDonald's. Because mm. there's there's like, um, I can't remember. One season she's just sitting in the van while they're all like arguing outside somewhere, I think. And she was like, can we go to McDonald's? <laughs> if Mary if Mary were your boss, she would always, when you're picking up McDonald's for her, tell you to get whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Thank that's you, true. Mary. Yeah. But, you know, don't, when she invites you to... Um, Services. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Who do we got? We got Mama Ru RuPaul. Yeah. Oh my god, I love. Oh my god, best boss ever. I don't even have to like think about it. Oh my gosh, and the makeup that you'll get. Like, I bet Ru gets so much makeup, and she'll probably just like Mama Ru will just like be like, here, take it. I don't. I don't need all of this. Like, just generous, generous, generous mama. If Mama Rue were my boss, I think she would notice if I was having, like, a really bad <gasps> mental health day. Yes. I think she would address it in a way that, like, didn't make a huge deal out of it. I think she would say something very simple. Like, if I was, like, stressed about being, like, and my cupboards don't close because all the plates are the wrong sizes. Like, she would say something like, sometimes you got to get new plates. And yeah. it would live in my head for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I would, like, use it in moments of crisis. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think she would just, like, drop casual wisdom constantly. Oh, my gosh. I would find excuses to just, like, hang out even longer at work. You get caught in a conversation when you know you're supposed to, like, go home. But you're like, oh, but I'm having so much fun. If Mama Rue were my boss, I think we would have all the same enemies. I think mm -hmm. we would agree exactly. And, like, I think she would do some of the most, like, epic Sort of like yes. post meeting debriefs in the car. Yeah. Known to man. Oh, the bits that you guys will have together are gonna be like the best in the world. I love her laugh that <laughs> like yes. yes. <laughs> like my whole job would just be to hear that laugh. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have a good laugh too, so it works oh my out. God, thank you. I've always been very embarrassed about my no. voice, my laugh. Jassel, real housewives of Ronique. Ronique. Oh, the new yes. yes. Okay. If Jessel were your boss, I think I would feel like she hated me for the entirety mm. of my time I worked there. I'd mm -hmm. feel like we had a lot of like sort of obligatory pleasantries, but I'd be like, I she doesn't think I'm, she thinks I'm stupid. She thinks I'm weird. <laughs> and then she would get me the best fucking job two years yes. down the line. Yeah. Like I think if Jessel were my boss, like it would be one of those things where like in the moment I would be like at my compulsive need to be liked and feel connected to people would be like really triggered and I would constantly be like questioning myself in a way that would probably be really healthy for me yeah. but ultimately at the end of the day no matter how much she might not want to connect when we were working together or like how she I think she is just like not maybe as warm as like I'm mm -hmm. used to and like friends and people 
no matter what, she would make sure that I was set up for my next move. I think she mm, really held my back in the Yeah. Home. Perhaps a little micromanaging. She would make you go back to like yeah. get the cop. Like if Starbucks yeah. messed up the order, like yeah. she and she wouldn't make she wouldn't even say it. She would make you suggest it. Yes. She would just be like, Oh, that's such a bummer because I really do need those three shots of espresso. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't have one later in the day because I'm not drinking caffeine after 1 p.m. And then be like, you know what? I'm just not going to have this. And then you're like, no, 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 no. I could I could go back and g- get you another one. And she's like, really? Really? Yeah. I mean, thank you. I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, my God. And I, oh, my God, I know that bitch would judge my outfits. And I don't know if she would do it to my face <laughs> or she would do it silently but I, or like in that mom way try to help you yeah be like did you, you know your waistline actually starts here not here yeah yeah and you're like yeah i have an asian mom i don't need this at my work life <laughs> i would be like thank you for telling me please continue to fix me <laughs> My mom was too, like, nice and non-critical. I'm, like, about, triggered. Like, I'm, like, oh, where would I want, mom? Ah. Yeah, Jocelyn would trigger the mommy issues <laughs> in such a big way. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. We love you so freaking much. Um, So we're getting a lot of great messages from other assistants out there. listening to the pod. We love you. Like, keep working hard. You got this. Also, we love the stories you're sending. We really want to do an episode where we read all the submissions that we get. So please send them over on our Instagram. Uh, We signed an NDA. Yeah, Yeah. it's called We Signed an NDA. We Signed an NDA. No pod. No No, podcast. No podcast. We got the handle. Right, and, exactly. Yeah, and though we don't yet know how we're going to incorporate them into the show, yeah. that is, uh, like, we are going to because, like, the show is, like, I mean, it's for us, but it's also for, it's for the assistants. Yeah. Like, I really feel like we are, uh, we're all really trying to. All in this together. Yes, exactly. And, like, yeah. shine a light on, like, all of the shit that you do that nobody fucking knows about. So please yeah. keep sending those submissions. We love them. There's you- some wild stories out there. Like, I wish I could tell mine uh nda you know how it is maybe if like there's a story out there that we're like really obsessed with we could figure out the technology right now neither of us really understand computers (laughs) amanda more than me i'm like you mean zoom (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 we'll find a way to talk face to face (laughs) but in different spaces So, so yeah, we're, we're going to open the door to the possibility of maybe interviewing you. Yes. yes. And just to plug this, if you're if you're listening still at this point in the episode, and thank you so much for get, being you. all the way here, maybe you like hearing us talk a lot. And if so, and if you have like $5 to spare this month, please join our Patreon. We're going to, we've just recently uploaded something that was like kind of just like a very honest check-in. Like, how are you doing? We're right. like, you know, we try to keep this uh, main show a little bit streamlined and on topic yeah. of like, you know, Hollywood from the POV of like assistance and support staff and like that reality TV world. But if you want to just like hear Anne and I like get a little more personal with each other, yeah. please join our Patreon. We would love to have it. If you want an upskirt photo of me, you sicko, <laughs> yes. you can donate $1 and get that. <laughs> and I green screen put it in different environments in a very fun way. <laughs> it's very fun. It's very fun. They're usually themed uh, based on holidays. So that's that's awesome. Beautiful. That's I just I smell a calendar. <laughs> yes. Um. And okay. Okay. I know podcasters say this all the time. You guys, we're little. We're little. <laughs> please. Little babies. We're little babies. Little tiny babies. Uh. Please subscribe. 
please, please, please put in those nice comments, reviews, good reviews likes. only, as Robbie Hoffman Follow. and Rachel Colley say. Yeah, five stars, please. Please, thank you. For fuck's sake, and please know that we read them. <laughs> We do read them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To whom thought that we were grammatically incorrect, we did talk to a grammar teacher. Yeah, so you can eat our dick. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. You listened to the one-star review to falsely correct us? You're wrong. You're wrong. Eat my dick. (laughs) To every other person, we love you. We value your feedback. Tell us what you want to see more of. If, you know, we're continue. Please know we are continually working to improve this audio quality, like, we hear you. We want you to hear us in yeah. a more pleasant way. So we are going to work on that. And anything else that you like? Yeah. You, know, you have constructive feedback? Great. Slide in the DM. Slide into that slippery DM. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs> oh, The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time. Goodbye.